On today's episode, we talk about exercise's impact on hormones and how high intensity or long endurance cardio or weight training all impact our hormones slightly different. And we're not just talking about your sex hormones. We talk about thyroid. We talk about your metabolic function. So take a listen today to make sure that what you're doing isn't hindering your hormones and your progress. Live your life within the moment, moment. And don't go wait until the morning, morning. You never know when it is over, over. All that I know Happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah, getting into the holidays. School's going to be out soon. Yes. <laughs> we fortunately don't have to deal with that, but we are going to take some time off around the holidays from work. We're going to take some time with family, head down to visit my sister in law for. A long, long weekend. Every client, which by the way, I just want to say this on air. Thank you for your support because every client that I've told, hey, the last couple of weeks of the year, we're not going to be doing one-on-ones. I have office hours though this day and this day. And they're like, good for you. That's awesome. Um, You know, because it's like with Marcus being home, we're going to travel a little bit. Like I have some things that I want to do with him, like holiday kind of stuff. And I'm just excited to have a little bit less stress before yeah. we go right back into January. Well, and we've talked to many business owners. We we have many business owners as clients. We have business owners as friends. And all of them say, you need at least one week per quarter yeah. to just take either a vacation or like a complete deload from work. Like there needs to be that time because you will burn out and you will become less effective. Yep. And I think perfect segue into today's conversation of exercise I think that it is a very valuable tool that a lot of people fail to utilize properly. Mm -hmm. And in turn, they don't see the results that they want to see because they are thinking more movement better or, uh, you know, I I can't take a whole week to deload to do less. I can't take a week off of exercise. Like we think about, you need to be doing that. And in certain Mm -hmm. phases of life, you need to be doing that even more. We, we try to control that as much as possible with our clients. Like I joke with all of our new clients and, you know, on consult calls, like, I want to control as much of your life as possible because if we can control as much of your life as possible, we can control the outcome a lot better. Mm -hmm. And for the general population listening, exercise is a tool. It is not a more is always better. And it's a huge lifestyle habit that I think can support healthy hormones, can support healthy metabolic function and a lot of mental health benefit too, if used properly. Yeah. And I think that's the big key here is, you need to have a good balance because as Becca knows with her story, right? Like with the history of overtraining and under eating, you can also tank your hormones. And one of the things you know that I've been sharing with a lot of clients lately in terms of, you know, hey, I'm considering HRT or we're going to be supporting either DHEA or estrogen or whatever. More is not more when it comes to hormones. And the same thing happens with exercise. More is not more. You will tank yourself, um, whether that starts with your adrenals and cortisol or DHEA, right? You might find yourself where you're in a place of very low hormones. Um, and this this is important for people to find that balance with and also understand their cycle. Uh, if you're not tracking your cycle, I would highly recommend download a free app. I use Life. Um, it will show you, you know, where you are at in the month, uh, when you're ovulating, but you can look at the first half of your cycle compared to the second half of your cycle with your symptoms and know how you feel. Um, because you're more apt 
to be feeling better in the gym, maybe a little bit more of the intensity. When Becca was talking about the deload weeks, um, this is why I brought that up because you want to have a little bit more intensity and then peak kind of around ovulation time. That's when you, you know, peak with your hormones and you're going to feel stronger. You'll feel really good. And then maybe in that luteal phase, the later half of your cycle, you do that deload week before your period comes because that's kind of how we're designed. And that kind of goes across the board with your mood and your energy and your sleep and things like that. But I think you would find if you were to do a progressive training program, you had three weeks from the start of your cycle to progressively overload and then a deload week, the week before your period, one, you'd feel a lot better about your progress in the gym because that's going to align with one of your cycle. But two, you'd feel better mentally because that last week when you kind of feel like you're dragging ass, you're not in the gym trying to PR, like doing opposite, you know, of where your body is. And so what we know is in terms of regular exercise, like this can be really helpful for people with PCOS, endometriosis, um, because it can help with excess estrogen and kind of, you know, clearing some of that out. It can also help movement can help improve PMS symptoms. Um, you know, and so just having a little bit better estrogen regulation is really important. And so if you notice like after your exercise session, right, you have a little bit more of an increase in energy. That's because there's also an increase in hormones. Um, Yes, we get cortisol elevation as well, but we think estrogen, testosterone, growth hormone, DHEA, all of these are kind of increasing because you're supporting your body with optimal, hopefully nutrition um, and recovery to be able to rebuild. And hormones, as long as they're in a good place, are anabolic, right? We don't want to be catabolic. So this is really important to find this balance for you. And you may be like Liz and Becca were and be sitting there and thinking, man, I know that I need to slow it down. I know that I need to give up my seven days, two a days, whatever, seven day workouts, uh, you know, of the week, maybe two a days. I know I need to slow it down. We get that it can be hard, but both of us can tell you that there's a sweet spot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think this is like Liz was saying, there is a natural increase in hormones after your exercise. So if you are someone that lifts frequently, but you don't feel like you're getting any stronger, it's prop or you don't feel like your endurance is improving or workouts make you feel worse. You're more tired. You're more swollen. It's a really good sign regarding your hormones. You probably don't have adequate levels of growth hormone, DHEA production, testosterone, estradiol, like take those as signs, you know, like Liz was saying, track your cycle, track these things. Data is knowledge. You have to use that data though, if you're taking it. And in general, when people see a negative impact from exercise in most scenarios, it's because they aren't matching their output with recovery. So you're training a lot, but you aren't eating enough, very common. And you aren't sleeping enough or you're not taking enough time to de-stress, whatever that might look like for you. And What I want people to understand is you have to consider the stress in your day-to-day life. And that's something that we greatly have changed between us. I realized and recognized, okay, Becca, running a business and trying to run social media and all of the things that are on our to-do list, plus being a mom of two small children and trying to be a good wife and all of the things, your body cannot also handle CrossFit five to six days a week. Even if I'm eating enough, even if I'm sleeping enough, I had to acknowledge that elephant in the room that was my day-to-day stress. And a lot of people refuse to accept that. And so, yes, if you're eating enough, if you are sleeping enough, that can help. But for some people, your everyday stress is just too much to be able to train at that high level. And exercise is a stressor. 
It can be a great stressor that you can adapt to, but if your body is not positively adapting to it, you're, you know, puffy, you're not gaining muscle mass, you're not getting stronger, it's a clear sign that you are probably in a place that your body is too stressed to adapt positively to that stressor. And now it has just become another stressor. It has just become another problem. And some things that you can see hormonal imbalance wise, we'll see things like acne, we'll see irregular menstrual cycles, heavy periods, hair thinning or losses, hot flashes, low libido, infertility, vaginal dryness, depression, anxiety, fatigue, unexplained weight gain, sleep disturbances. Like all of those things are things that are very common with hormonal imbalances and signs that something is not right with your hormones. And I want to talk a little bit about the main things that we see that can drive that. First one, for sure, being thyroid. Yep. So if you, research shows this, if you chronically train in high levels and you undereat, even if it's unintentional, but you're just like, oh, I'm not hungry some days or I fast or whatever it might be. I'm low carb, right? Low carb, AKA you're probably just low calorie. You see these people, a much higher rate of hypothyroidism. And that is because those things suppress your T3 level, your free active form of thyroid. We see this, at, like, I'll be honest, almost every CrossFitter that was like a competitive CrossFitter that I know and have taught, like almost all of them have dealt with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism mm -hmm. because you, CrossFit has no off season. Yeah. It's just the chronic elevated cortisol, which is putting your body into a catabolic state. It's breaking things down. When yep. things break down, you burn through a lot more nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. When you're low in certain minerals, you're not building you know, your um, energy pathways up. So your thyroid starts to slow down. And then when thyroid slows down, everything slows down. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your metabolism, you're cold all the time. You're not burning as many calories. You're spinning your wheels in the gym. Your recovery is not working well. Your motility for your you know, digestive system, all these things. And- when we think about active thyroid hormone, having enough of that requires having enough T4. Um, and so a lot of people will look at TSH, okay, you know, that's fine. TSH can be where it's at, but that's a pituitary hormone. But if you don't have the cofactors and the nutrients to build your T4, you're not gonna have enough to, to convert you know, to T3, which is your active thyroid hormone. And then if we have all of the stress happening, right, that's more stress on the liver, maybe poor detoxification abilities, right? Maybe your gut is out of line. There's infections because you've been chronically stressed. Cortisol has been through the roof and you don't realize that that's just driving the systemic inflammation. The conversion that's going to happen is also going to be impaired because 40% happens in the liver, 20% happens in the gut. And it's just this cascade, mm -hmm. right? Same thing with estrogen dominance. Like I remember a while ago, um, we got into a really good conversation about how, you know, estrogen dominance and low thyroid, it's like this vicious cycle, right? It's this negative feedback loop. I have estrogen dominance, low thyroid, low thyroid, estrogen dominance, yeah. right? Yeah. It creates a negative feedback loop. And the other thing to understand in terms of like weight training versus cardio is what we see a lot of times is that when women weight train heavily, think like bodybuilders five to six days a week, you're weight training constantly. We tend to, with that population, see that hypothyroid state. And for the record, taking a thyroid medication is not going to resolve that. It's not going to allow you to just keep doing what you're doing and you know protect the thyroid. That's not how the thyroid works. But we tend to see low estrogen and progesterone typically more with that population that does more weight training. We will see them usually protect androgens. Androgens are your muscle building hormones 
a lot of people think testosterone is. Testosterone helps maintain muscle, but your androgen hormones, etiocalanolone and androsterone, tend to be more of your muscle building hormones. And women that weight train tend to protect those more, but they burn more through estrogen and progesterone. So you end up with low sex hormones, but maybe you're maintaining some muscle mass. Cardio, on the other hand, tends to be the opposite. They tend to maintain progesterone and estrogen levels a little bit better, but they lose androgens and they tend to lose a lot more muscle mass. Makes sense given the body compositions that you see between those two, like, you know, body compositions and training methodologies. And it needs to be a combination of the two. There needs to be some anaerobic and aerobic training involved, and it needs to be balanced, you know, three to four days a week. Maybe you're doing three days a week of weight training, one day a week of some cardio, whether that's like, you know, one minute jog, one minute walk for 20, 30 minutes, or whether that's maybe you're doing HIIT training for five to 10 minutes, two days a week on top of your strength training sessions. Um, There needs to be that balance of both. And then you need to go through periods, like Liz was saying, of deload. You need to make sure that you're eating enough the majority of the time, because if research and statistics show us like females every year diet at least one to two times a year. Oh, I would say it's way more than that. It depends on how long, but like for their entire lifetime, females diet at least one to two times per year. Well, the better question is to ask a woman, when was the last time you weren't on a diet? Yeah. Or know you were eating enough. And, and I guess maybe, okay, so let's, let's step back in a bigger picture here, Liz. So I'm thinking this research, okay, one to two times, maybe that was people who were legitimately following their protocols for period, like a set, like a Weight Watchers, like a 12 week or yeah. 16 week. But like, I, I just think I know if you asked and you took a survey, which would be fun to do. When was the last time that you weren't on a diet? You weren't worried about your weight. You weren't every, you know, Monday thinking about this is what I'm going to do for the week. And then, oh, I derailed or made it till, you know, Monday night because you starved yourself all day, whatever. I I just think it's a much higher rate than. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. You know, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, And something else to understand in terms of cardio, because people are like, well, what should I, should I do cardio? Should I not do cardio? Research also seems to show that walking helps to maintain muscle mass better. Mm-hmm. It burns body fat better, but it doesn't do it in terms of calorie burn as high of a rate as cardio. But the problem with cardio, long distance, steady state, like going catabolic. for a you know, four mile run, it's very catabolic. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn calories faster, but you tend to burn more muscle mass than body fat. And so now you're holding less muscle mass, which in turn we know impacts your metabolism. Yeah. You're burning less calories at rest. Yep. Exactly. And this is the thing. So I think a lot of people, maybe not so much anymore, but I think a lot of people get caught up with like their Apple watch or their aura ring. Right. And so, well, if I go for a run or I do my hit class or I do my you know, cardio, like the cardio bunnies, well, I'm burning 560 calories in that hour compared to, I go and I do a bodybuilding style strength training workout. What you failed to understand is the post exercise output, the calories that are burned through the recovery process from strength training is greater than those with just straight cardio. Because when you stop cardio, you stop that workout, you essentially stop burning calories. Whereas in, and I think you do for a few hours after, but it's not as much repair from really heavy strength training. You're breaking muscle down. You're stimulating new muscle growth. The body has to pull nutrients in. There's a lot of processes that have to happen. So you actually do get higher rates of energy output over the course of the 24, 48 hours, depending upon the intensity. It's just that in that moment, which even we know, and we can say your aura ring and your Apple watch, none of them are really accurate. Mm. You're just not having that 
crazy sweaty feeling of like, I worked so hard and I exerted all of this energy. So you think that it's not as effective, but from a body composition and a hormone standpoint, your thyroid standpoint, it is effective. And having a good balance is also really important because I'm, I am a proponent of people having some sort of cardio in, in their training. I just think that it doesn't need to be, I went for a six mile run five days a week and then did a a half marathon on Saturday. Or like I, I weight train five times a week and I run three times a week and I do a hit class. Like there, there is just too much at some point that the body gets negative returns from over time. Like you'll have that sweet spot in the beginning where of course, you know, you, you see great results initially because it's a huge shock to the body with how much you're doing. But over time you're going to see less and less. And then you're going to start seeing negative returns. You're going to start seeing if you did a DEXA scan or a body scan, lower body fat or lower body, um, muscle mass retention, higher body fat percentage. And then people are like, I feel like I don't look like I work out. Right. And so a couple things to consider if you are cold all the time, if you don't feel like you get a heat jump, if you eat a large meal, you should feel hot after that. You should feel hot when you are working out. You should feel like your body is able to break a sweat easily. Those are signs that your metabolism is working hard because it should, if you never feel warm during the day, it's a big sign that your metabolism is probably not doing so great. There should be a change. And so we know feeling cold all the time is very related to your thyroid mm -hmm. because the thyroid will control that. But what comes, what does it come back to? It comes back to the fact that you have probably overtrained, over, overstressed, underfed your body for too long. And now the metabolism is in a place where it cannot rev up how it is supposed to. And so where's the sweet spot, right? It's going to change in seasons. I think that's one thing to understand like we go through phases where we pull training for people because there needs to be a focus on healing. There needs to be more energy available for the body to do healing, to do gut work, whatever it might look like. And when we bring it back in, the intensity will change over time. If someone's going through a gut protocol, their exercise intensity is going to look very different than if they're in a building phase where we're trying to develop muscle. Very different when we put people in calorie deficits, we support the thyroid. We typically support the adrenals. We may support the hormones because we know those all take a hit when you're in a calorie deficit. And so you naturally want to give more energy and support to those. So we will put in a glandular or multivitamin for the thyroid or things like that. There has to be that comprehension of what is this going to negatively impact and how can I minimize that impact? In general speaking, I think the concept of going with your cycle, or if you don't have a cycle anymore, three weeks intensity, one week deload. I think that is a great general rule of thumb and working out, you know, three to four days a week with strength training in there as the majority. And then maybe you throw in a cardio day, you throw in a hit training for five to 10 minutes on top of one or two of those workouts. I think for most women is a very good balance to have that matches the stress that you have in your day to day that also allows for the results that you want to be getting long-term. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say here is I think, you know, for those of you who are listening and you are in perimenopause or you're concerned about, you know, you've had a hysterectomy and your, you know, bone health, right? Osteoporosis and all of those things. This is crucial. You need to be strength training. You need to be doing weight bearing activities because that is going to be the most beneficial to supporting your bone health, right? This is a mechanical stressor to the body and these physical demands that are placed on your bones and muscles are what trigger and stimulate, I mean, they, they trigger growth, right? And remodeling. Um, I think it's also really important to recognize that there comes a time and a place where maybe that intensity needs to die down and you've got to change the modality, right? We hear a lot of times like, 
And my father-in-law is notorious for this. Like he has a horrible shoulder, right? Knees, he keeps playing baseball and I get it. But like, if you're a runner and your knees are shot and you have bone on bone, like probably not the best modality for you to be doing, right? You can do things like resistance training. You can do rebounding. You know, all of those things are going to be really, really important. Um, and I just think, you know, from the osteoporosis perspective, if you've had, um, you know, either a hysterectomy or whatever, getting bone density scans, right? As you age and just making sure that you're maintaining a good healthy weight um, to support bone health um, and that you have adequate nutrition. Again, we come back to adequate nutrition. Adequate nutrition helps you build healthy hormones, but it also is going to give you the right nutrients to build your bones. Um, and when you don't have those things, then bone loss you know, occurs. So I just wanted to throw that in there. And I think, you know, training with your cycle is important. We have another podcast that we've done around that. I think as you age, it definitely should change perimenopause, right? You should have some sort of intensity in there. Um, and you know, even postmenopause, like you want to be thinking about things that are going to build your body up both from the cardiovascular perspective and from the strength training perspective. 